Thanks for tuning in to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan with Adobe. In this week's episode, I sit down with Victoria Chin, Asana's Head of Product Marketing for Growth and Scale, and we talk about one of my favorite topics, product launches. We'll hear Victoria's perspective on common mistakes to avoid, making decisions around channels and metrics, and also how product strategy paves the way for great launches. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards, delivered everywhere your sales reps live, and allowing them to contribute insights from the field. It's competitive strategy as a key lever of revenue. Elevate your role and outmaneuver, outplay, and outmatch the competition with Clue. This show is produced by Shareberg, the knowledge sharing platform for the fastest growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers for your questions and learn from leaders in the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Head to Shareberg.com. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm pleased today to speak with Victoria Chin, the Head of Product Marketing for Growth and Scale at Asana. Prior to this, Victoria has had an impressive career at Open Door, Dropbox, and in the financial sector. Welcome to the show, Victoria. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, let's kick it off with our favorite question from this season, which is what inspires you? I would definitely say that people really inspire me and especially the people at Asana. I feel really lucky to be surrounded by so many people with so much domain expertise, but also people with great soft skills. And in particular, the one person that comes to mind is our chief operating officer, Anne Ramondi, who has such an impressive background across a variety of functions. And she's a great leader in the sense that she makes every single person she speaks to feel special. She goes into meetings prepared all of the time, always has really actionable suggestions, regardless of what the topic is. And I've just been so impressed by both the domain expertise and soft skills with her. That's amazing. Well, that sounds like the qualities we would hope all leaders would have. So so glad to see that that's a great example at Asana. That's amazing. Well, let's hear more about your role at Asana. I'd love to hear about what you do, your team, and what it's like working there. Yeah, absolutely. So my team, Product Marketing Growth and Scale, we focus on insights, storytelling, and go-to-market strategies. And so just to break those down a little bit more, when we say insights, we are referring to customer competitive and market insights, like from industry analysts or market research, whether it's quantitative or qualitative, and really synthesizing those from a variety of sources and drawing next steps, takeaways, recommendations to inform storytelling and go-to-market strategies. And then on the storytelling side, that includes how we think about positioning, messaging, and of course, effective positioning and messaging is always built on a foundation of strong research and insights. And with go-to-market strategies, we think about that across the funnel, across the customer lifecycle, and we're typically aligning cross-functional teams towards certain business goals, whether it's a conversion goal, expansion goal. And we're really thinking about this across the funnel in terms of how we might help different growth and monetization activities. That's amazing. I love the way that that's organized. And I understand too, from our pre-call that you guys think about the flow as really end to end. So all of these different pieces are connected. Can you talk about that a little bit more? 
Definitely. Yeah. So one of the things I really love about Asana product marketing is that end-to-end piece. And so I think there are many product marketing organizations who really focus on go-to-market strategy, and that's their expertise and where they really focus, which is great. And at Asana, we lead developing go-to-market strategies, and we come in earlier in the process. So we have this end-to-end point of view where we are also partnering directly with R&D in terms of co-creating and prioritizing the roadmap. We are thinking through what are the right problems that we're trying to solve? How might we ensure that we are solving these problems for the right target audiences and specific users as these product experiences are coming to life? And when those products are ready to take to market, what is the right go-to-market strategy? That sounds really fulfilling to have that entire bird's eye view and be able to have that full stock experience. And for those not already in the know, can you tell us a little bit more about Asana? Yes. So we think of ourselves as a work management platform. And so what we really enable is that cross-team work that helps align individuals, teams, and entire organizations around company goals, as well as the work that's required to achieve those company goals. And so our platform really offers a system of record to help teams of all different sizes achieve goals as effectively and efficiently as possible. So it's the efficiency you know, there's a speed element in terms of helping people reach their goals faster. And that effectiveness element is around ensuring that where the work is still done with high quality as well. That's great. And I've loved it as just a personal user for years too. So it's wonderful to see how it's become so integrated into the goal setting and work of many corporations. So you guys are doing amazing work and also your product marketing has been something that I've been following for a while too. So really happy to have you speak to us today. Thank you. And likewise, we actually draw so much inspiration from Adobe as just a best-in-class marketing organization for so long. (laughs) It's fun to learn from each other, right? I think there's so much great product marketing out there. So love to hear that too. Well, I know that you have many areas of expertise, but one of our favorite topics, of course, as product marketers is the product launch. So I wanted to ask you a few questions that were really thought through on your AMA, but I thought it would be awesome if we could bring them to light in our conversation today. So first of all, I wanted to understand from your perspective, what is a common mistake that you see companies make with product launches? Yeah, that's a good one. And I've certainly made many mistakes in the past as well. I think one of the first pieces that I think about is internal coordination. So the role of a product marketer is so inherently cross-functional, whether you're thinking about that go-to-market strategy side, or whether you're thinking about it even earlier in the process, like we do at Asana, since we have this end-to-end partnership. And so it's really, really important to lay that foundation for effective internal coordination, whether you're working on how that product might come to life with R&D and across multiple R&D teams and how you're thinking about it in terms of go-to-market strategy with a variety of different marketing or customer-facing teams like sales, support, et cetera. And I think that's also become a lot more difficult over the last several years since the way we work has changed so significantly in terms of where we're working, how we're working, what tools we're using. And in spite of so many companies doing our absolute best to change the way we work because of what's happened in the last few 
years, it's been really difficult. And so, you know, we have some recent insights from our Anatomy of Work Index. It's a broad thought leadership report that we publish each year that about 58% of people's time is spent in coordination. So it's that the work about work, the stuff that you're doing that wasn't necessarily what you were hired to do in terms of following up coordination, you know, making the actual work happen. And when it comes to the actual strategic work that most people really want to focus on and is considered that high value work, you know, 9% of the day is spent on strategy. And that's a big change from what it was before. So when we look at these stats year over year, that 9% of the day working on strategy was a big drop because previously the last survey we had done was about 36% of the day. So the way people are working now, because there's so much fragmentation in terms of where people are located, the tools that they're using, it's just become more difficult to coordinate work effectively internally. Wow, that is really compelling. So people are spending only about a third of the time on strategy as they were only a year or two prior because of COVID and because of the way we're working together. Is that the takeaway from the study? Yeah, it's COVID. It's the implications of what happened to how people were working with COVID. It's the fact that there's just been this rapid adoption of a variety of digital tools for every single use case, every single function. That's also just made it difficult in terms of context switching, copying and pasting, forgetting which tool you entered what work into and those tools not connecting. Got it. And so I love your take on this because I always say this too, that internal communication is so important. And in fact, at least 10% of your time should be spent talking about what you're doing and informing stakeholders. But it sounds like what you're saying from the study is that almost 60% of time ends up being spent on this coordination because there's potentially not a good proactive means of communication. It's like people asking questions, trying to figure out what's going on, the lack of collaboration. Is that sort of the takeaway as well from that study that you could be doing a better job just by being organized and having that lens of a framework? Yes, absolutely. I think that's a big part of it in terms of needing something, tools to help you get organized, but also thinking through like, there's so much in terms of following up status checks, what's going on, what's the status of this? Whereas there are certain, you know, if you're able to align teams around these status updates and give teams visibility so they don't actually have to ask for status updates, you can skip that follow-up email. If teams actually had tools where they're housing in one place, all of the work, or connecting that tool to all the different sources of the work where it's happening and centralizing it. So we really believe that effective internal coordination requires aligning teams on a single platform. So that doesn't mean that everybody has to use just one tool because you know the reality today is that there's going to be multiple tools for different use cases. But if you can actually have a tool that connects and brings in information into one place from a variety of tools, that really makes a big difference because then maybe you can actually have that broader visibility across teams, across tools in one place and you can skip the follow-up questions or maybe even some meetings. And another part of it is also establishing clarity and accountability. So that's become more difficult as well when you're not in person all the time. You don't have those hallway conversations to confirm, okay, let me do this. And and you're going to be responsible for that. And having that like very clear sense of who is going to do what and when it's going to be accomplished is something that's really important as well. When the way work happens now, it's no longer just in one place. And that's how it's going to happen going forward as well. Like the reality is that hybrid work is here to stay. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's something I've noticed that has kind of gone by the wayside during COVID is having that last five minutes of the meeting where you're saying, okay, let's capture all of our action items, make sure that everyone has an owner that we follow up on that just those simple things that can actually make or break a project or make it a lot more painful than it needs to be. So that's a great reminder to have. And I'm assuming you at Asana use Asana as your tool, (laughs) your record of choice to manage all of that sounds like. We do. Yeah. One thing that I also appreciate about our company is that all of our work actually happens in Asana. So we're our own customer. We are actively using the product and providing feedback on the product to help it constantly improve and dog booting the product as well. When it comes to product launches specifically, we have several templates internally to make product launches really effective. And so we have different templates based on the different tiers that we have for Mm -hmm. product launches. So different launches are going to require different levels of effort and different teams in terms of involvement as well. So that's why we have those multiple templates. But once we've actually done the upfront work of deciding what is the tier for this launch, who's going to be involved, what are those roles and responsibilities, then those templates really help us move quickly and follow a consistent process and just ensure that whoever is responsible for different pieces, they know exactly what they're supposed to do and they can follow the consistent processes that we have in place. Those templates are so powerful and so simple. And I feel like they make everyone's lives so much easier. I think every time I've stepped into a new job, I've brought the templates along and obviously customized them for particular channels and for our audience. But even just having that as a toolkit or creating it, if you're starting product marketing for the first time can be really important. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And how might you define the tiers that you're working on, on product launches for those that aren't familiar with that concept? Yeah, definitely. So there's a variety of tiers that we have in place, depending on how we're thinking about the potential impact of the launch and the goals as well. And so when we think about the concept of a tier one launch, this is going to be something where we're not going to have a ton of these. They're certainly not going to happen every month. Maybe there'll be a few a year. It'll be something where we want to have an anchor moment where we're aligning the entire marketing organization. And we will center this around something that could be really, what we believe is really strategic and impactful in terms of driving a big goal, whether it's a big revenue goal or maybe a a huge awareness goal that we're aligning with a big PR or brand campaign. And this is one where it's going to require a lot of resources, a lot of time in advance. And then, you know, as we think about other types of launches, there'll be maybe a tier two launch that could also be strategic and impactful, but maybe is not not as big or newsworthy and may not require as much of a comprehensive bill of material. So maybe fewer channels, fewer people involved, but still like still very much a cross-functional effort. Then as we think about a tier three launch, this could be something that's more targeted, more specific channels, and something that may not require the entire marketing organization to rally behind. But we're thinking about this in terms of like, we always have specific goals in place. There's something that we are planning cross-functionally here as well, but maybe not, we don't need every single channel at our disposal. And so there's different launch tiers that we have depending on the potential impact and resources required. 
Thanks so much for laying that out. And I feel like that is such a powerful framework to bring into an organization if it doesn't already exist, because you need to be able to effectively put your resources in the place that will have the biggest impact. So I love the way you're explaining it about tying it to the goal and the outcome and the impact that it'll have on the customers. Because I think sometimes if you're coming into an organization where product marketing is new or hasn't had a lot of collaboration with product and engineering, there's no tiering. Engineering and product will want every launch to have that tier one support. And it just doesn't make sense. You just physically do not have the time or money to actually make that happen. So putting it in those parameters kind of takes the emotion out of it and makes it where you can make sure that there's the proper communication for each piece of it. So I love how you explain that. And then you also mentioned picking the right channels and picking the right bill of materials. This is a concept that I feel like is often hard to explain to stakeholders. Can you talk about how you make decisions around those channels that you would use for product launches? Starting from a blank slate, let's say, how would you even start? Definitely. Well, what you had just said in terms of R&D for any product launch, wanting every channel and like potentially some emotional conversations happening in organizations where that hasn't been established, 100%, I've definitely seen that. And I think a tiering framework around launches really, really helps in terms of that internal coordination and expectation setting as well. So I think that's definitely one element of it in terms of thinking through channels. Now, if we were to think about this from a blank slate perspective, What we typically do, like, you know, I had mentioned earlier, one of the big focus areas for us as a product marketing team is insights. So we want to understand our customers. So with each of our launches and each of our products, frankly, we're thinking about a specific customer segment, right? You know, as marketers, we of course know that one size fits all isn't typically the most effective. So we'll start out with our customers and deeply understand what matters to them, what channels they're looking at, what are we hearing from customer interviews? What are we hearing from our customer-facing teams or other research that we might see from industry analysts on what channels actually matter most? There's a pretty wide variety of sources that we'll start looking at. And we'll also think about what is the historical context? So are there any past launches or past campaigns or channel-specific learnings that we might have about this specific audience? And so there's a variety of considerations that we'll have across all of these different sources to help us figure out what are the best channels that are are actually going to be helpful in reaching this audience specifically and hitting this specific goal. Because we also have to acknowledge that we're in a world now where leveraging every channel at your disposal is certainly a nice to have. That's not the reality today for most marketing teams where you don't want to just blast out a message across everything. You want to be really thoughtful given there's resource constraints, especially in this macro environment where most companies are going to see some tightening of budgets and purse strings and maybe even headcount as well. And so we want to be really thoughtful about deeply understanding what will matter most to their customers. What's the best way to reach them? Where have we done well in the past? Or maybe do we even want to do a a small test to help us figure out what is the right channel we should be using? And then use that to inform what is the right channel mix and partnering with the channel owners as well to figure out like what is the right strategy to hit whatever business goal we have. 
I love that answer. So looking at what customers are doing, seeing where they are, I mean, sounds really kind of basic, but you'd be surprised how many people skip that step. It's talking to your customers. Where are they actually finding information? It's about looking at historical performance, looking at trackability and impact, and then talking to the owners. I love all of those pieces. I would say it's so good to revisit that too. I think five plus years ago, we would always do a blog for every release. And are people going to your blog and reading about it? Is that the most effective use on your time? And so much time and energy spent perfecting every word. And I think that's really nice to have for maybe your tier one launches, but you need to be really specific about what that is actually doing to drive any kind of business impact forward. And tracking something like a blog is hard as well. So having a really honest look at your channels, if they are something you want to revisit on an annual or even biannual basis, I think is a good move as well, just to make sure they're serving you. And things are changing all the time. There's new channels coming up. You know, TikTok is so popular, but three years ago, people weren't really on it. Is that a place where people are going to learn about your consumer product? So anyways, just revisiting and thinking about it from where customer perspective are. I love how you thought about that. Oh yes. hundred percent. Love what you're saying as well in terms of making sure we revisit like, and one example for why that's so important for us is our customer composition is very different today than it was even just two and a half years ago when I started at this company. So yes, completely agree with you there. That is great. And switching gears a little bit, but I think this is really tied into the product launch capabilities. So when you're thinking about product launches, what metrics should product marketers be accountable for? And specifically in your industry, so for B2B SaaS, what are the metrics you think that PMM should actually be tracking and things that people at the company will care about? Yeah. And this is a tough question because I've definitely seen significant differences in the metrics that PMMs are responsible for and working towards at every different organization Mm -hmm. where I've worked. And I think that's also part of it is because there's going to be slightly different focus areas for product marketing teams. It's, you know, we're definitely a hot function right now, but there's different flavors of product marketing as well in terms of where you're focusing, such as there could be different teams that are focused at different areas of the funnel, different teams, depending on the, like your customer composition, like does your company focus more on large enterprise customers, or are you thinking like Asana about companies across all different segments? So definitely a wide variety that we have here. And I think what we see that's been effective at Asana is having shared metrics with different marketing channel owners, depending on the stage of customer journey. So with my team specifically, we focus a lot on product adoption as well as a variety of different revenue metrics. So when it comes to product adoption, we know that new user onboarding and like that, like early utilization is really, really critical in terms of a leading indicator for revenue. So like new user adoption in terms of repeat visitation is really, really critical for us. So we are partnering with product teams and lifecycle marketing teams on driving those. And then when it comes to other revenue metrics, we're thinking about pipeline, we're thinking about conversion revenue, as well as expansion revenue. And expansion revenue could be boiled down to up tiering. So driving upgrades from free to paid or a paid tier to a higher paid tier. And it could also be expansion in terms of expansion within an organization. So more seats within an organization. 
I love that. And just to point out, all of those are tied directly to business goals. So getting companies or getting users to adopt, getting more revenue through upselling, through expanding the seats, those are all tied to major goals that the company has. They're not blog views. (laughs) It's not how many people retweeted our launch tweets. So I think that we end up coming to this topic a lot on the show, but I think it's really important that as product marketers, we start owning those bigger goals that can sometimes be scary, but that's where the business impact can really be had. So I love that you are thinking about that and actually implementing it in your launches. That's really great to hear. So I'd love to hear about a launch you've done recently. Do you have anything you want to share or any examples that come to mind that would be good to illustrate some of the things we talked about today? Yeah, the example that I jotted down for today was a launch that we had in February this year. So relatively recent. And this was a really exciting success story for Asana. And as I was trying to think about why was this a success story? What were the key elements of why we saw such strong results? I think it actually comes back to some of the core principles that we often think about as marketers and product marketers. And so the three themes that I have are around positioning, differentiation, and a really targeted go-to-market strategy. So when I think about the elements of this flow launch, starting out with positioning, so much has changed over the last few years in terms of how people work and where they work and the tools, you know, what we were just talking about before. We had to be really thoughtful about how we were refreshing our positioning amid all of these rapid changes and uncertainty. And we had to think about what is the value that customers are actually getting and how do we convey the value in light of everything that's changing across the world. And so there was a positioning exercise and a lot of testing, but we landed on a new positioning for Asana in terms of really leaning into Asana as the platform for cross-team work. And that ended up resonating. So that was one piece. The second piece around differentiation, which is of course tied really closely to positioning. So we did a lot of competitive analyses and saw that while this was something that we knew really resonated with our customers, we also were able to identify that this wasn't something in terms of that cross-team, cross-platform work that competitors weren't leaning into. And we have a really crowded category now. A lot of other companies, both large and small, trying to do the same thing. So differentiation was really important for us. So we thought about it from that broader positioning perspective, and we thought about it from the product launch perspective. We invested a lot upfront to figure out what is our sweet spot. This was a product launcher on workflow automation, but honestly, everyone's talking about workflow automation. So we had to figure out like, why is this actually important for us? And here it was a mix of deeply understanding the landscape of what's available, not just with our direct competitors, but across the market and mapping it out to understand where are their gaps and validating with customers and industry analysts for us to really figure out our sweet spot that informed both product strategy and positioning. And then the third piece was around that targeted go-to-market strategy. So we had some really specific elements here where we're thinking about, okay, so we have some existing free users of Asana who have never used any of our workflow automation capabilities before. Let's target them with a live demo. And then we have some existing users of workflow automation features. And we partnered with our community team here to do what we called a learnathon. So it was like an extended demo and teaching opportunity, essentially, that really drove stickiness and expansion because they, after this, they were inviting more users. So we thought about it. We had this multi-pronged approach with positioning and really leaning into differentiation and then going, you know, making sure those came to life in a way that was very targeted for different audience segments. 
That's amazing. I love the learnathon idea. That's so cute. <laughs> and I think that's something that's often ignored, which is trying to engage and retain your existing customers with new features and launches. It's just about the new customer audience in a lot of cases. So how do you actually get the core that's using it to get even more in depth with it? So that's really great. Would you say overall that the launch was successful? Yes, absolutely. So this was a launch where it honestly exceeded expectations for us. Like the Learnathon that we had had thousands and thousands of registrants, and the majority of whom actually stayed with us for four hours. Oh my god! <laughs> about this new Asana product launch, which blew us away that this actually that they were willing to stay with us for this long. And so not only did it drive stickiness with them, this also drove expansion among our existing base. So these existing users who were already fans of Asana invited more people. From their company as a result. That's so great. Well, it just goes to show if you have good content, people will come and they will stay. I've been on this kind of journey trying to think about, oh, should we have more snackable content, 15 minute webinars, you know, people have no attention span, but here you go. They wanted to learn about this and it was really important to their business. And obviously it was well executed for them to stay for four hours. So that in and of itself, that's a great recap moment to have something that you might not have thought about before. I love that. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. I love talking about product launches. So thank you for giving us a little bit of the ins and outs of how it's done at Asana. That was wonderful. I'd love to go now into the rapid fire questions. So just kicking us off, who have been your strongest product marketing mentors or just mentors that you've had in your career? Yeah, I wrote down three people for this one. There's a person named Eileen Reyes, who I worked with at Dropbox, and she taught me what a great product launch looks like. She was my manager at Dropbox. She's now one password. There's another guy named Adam Starr, who was our creative director at Open Door back when we worked there together. And he really helped me understand my strengths, especially when I couldn't see them myself. And uh, another person who hired me at Asana, Dana Barrett, she taught me how to spot talent and build strong teams. And I think she really has a recruiting superpower. That's wonderful. I love that you have a specific thing that each person has taught you. And I think that that's something we've heard kind of thematically on the podcast, which is that it's hard to have one mentor that fulfills every need that you might have along your career. It's more this board of mentors that you meet and collect along the, the way that can drop these points of knowledge that really help you grow in each avenue. So I love how you connected those together. What would you say has been one thing that's been really important in terms of growing your career? I would say cultivating strong relationships. So PMM mentors along the way is definitely related, but also cultivating strong relationships with leaders and not being afraid to ask for help as well. I would say be targeted in terms of what specifically you're asking for help for, but I would say relationships with leaders has been so important. I've been really lucky in my career to have really strong leaders who have actually invested in me as well. That's awesome. What about networking? Do you love it? Hate it? How have you been doing it during the pandemic? I wouldn't say I love it, but I wouldn't say I hate it either. I'm kind of middle of the road where I recognize the value and importance. It's definitely been a lot harder and I've been doing a very bad job of it during the pandemic, I would say. But I would say my best advice here is thinking through making sure that I'm clear on exactly what I want to learn or what my specific goals are and thinking through who is the best person who could help me either with learning this skill or achieving a certain goal and then not hesitating to ask people for introductions. That's such wonderful advice. And last question for you. Do you have any parting advice you'd give to someone that's just starting out in product marketing? 
Yes, I would say the most important thing for me and what I've observed is in terms of really successful people whom I've hired is having a growth mindset. So I love the concept of a growth mindset because it can apply to so many things, both personally and professionally in terms of growth mindset around building relationships, learning about your customers, diving in headfirst with research and just making sure that you're acknowledging that there's always something to learn regardless of what level or, or where you are in an organization. Organization. I couldn't agree more. I love that. Well, Victoria, it's been so fun having you on the show today. Thank you so much for all of your knowledge and sharing everything with us today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed listening to you too. Thank you. This show is produced by Sharebird, the knowledge sharing platform for the fastest growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers for your questions and learn from leaders in the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Head to sharebird.com. We'll also link Victoria's AMA in the show notes. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business.